Good to see you. Kia ora those at home watching wherever you are. Nice to see you. Um, if I haven't met you before, my name is uh, Andre and uh, myself and a cool, awesome team of people. We lead Cornerstone Church Rolleston. How is everybody? Good. That is good. I'm going to need some good response today. I can barely see you. You are out there, but... Um, who, uh, who's enjoyed the Book of Acts series that we've been working our way through? Slowly, but we've been working. I think we started at the start of the year. We were in like August, and we're like to chapter 11. So, um, but one of the cool things that I've really enjoyed about the Book of Acts, it has brought some stuff to the surface, uh, and we've done a couple of sermons on that. Um, who was here for last week's sermon on perspective? Um, I, if you know me, I never normally do this, but it was a good sermon. And I think you should watch it if you haven't seen it. I was just going upstairs and I just really felt like God said that. I was like, that's weird. I'm the last person to self-promote. But I do think that God uh, had his hand on that word. So I think there's a word for, if you didn't see last week's sermon um, about perspective, it will help you um, with this whole book of Acts thing. So we're going to kick things off. Um, I know I shouldn't ask this question, but did anyone read uh, Acts chapter 10 and 11 this week? Two, three people? Okay, great. Shouldn't have asked the question. <laughs> hey, um, we're going to kick things off. So I'm going to pray, and then if you have your Bibles, won't you grab um, Acts chapter 10, and if you have it on your phone, search it up now, and um, I'm going to pray in a moment. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that we would have a lens in which we read chapters 10 and 11 today. Lord, that there would be a lens on all of our hearts and our ears of what are you speaking to me about? God, that there would be a lens of hope, a lens of grace, a lens of forgiveness, a lens of understanding, and ultimately a lens of recognition of who you are. Father, we just pray that you bless everyone here today in your mighty name. Amen. Cool. So first things first, if you're familiar with Acts chapter 10 and 11, um, there is this huge, I cannot underestimate the size of it. There is this huge concept um, that is spoken about in Acts chapter 11. Um, Does anyone remember who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. Uh, Well, they believe it's almost positive that it was uh, Luke who wrote the book of Acts. And he goes into some detail to share, to unpack this, this thing over two Massive chapters. Here's the thing. We need to understand, before we get there, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a, um, a little bit of surrounding around it. This idea was so revolutionary that it changed the world. In fact, for probably 95, maybe 98% of us, this impacts us directly. And if you're unfamiliar with it, I'm just going to say it, and then we can move our way through it. But it's this idea that in the Jewish culture, uh, up until this point, it was very much about who was in, who was out, and what you had to do to be in or out. Does anyone remember that that sermon I did a little while ago about wells and fences? And uh, they loved the good fence. Um, and they would put fences around things and saying, you have to be this or do that. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to be a Jewish person. You've got to have, you know, uh, be Hebrew and, and have the blood of the Hebrews to be saved. And you could be a Gentile and be saved, but you weren't really fully saved. And you had to do these few different things. There's all of this stuff. And what happens is in these two chapters, the whole thing gets turned upside down. And God reveals to Peter that he wants... Uh, everybody to be in relationship with him. The Gentiles. Who's a Gentile? Probably, for 95% of us, uh, us. Uh, If you're Jewish, that's awesome. Um, But the the Gentiles are people who are non-Jews. And so for probably, it's a bit of a guess, but 95% of us sitting here in Rolleston, New Zealand, um, we probably find that this is massive for us. But here's the thing. We already live in the fruit of this revelation. So for us, it might be like, yeah, I know that. You might read this and go, yeah, I know that God is for everybody. But please, when we're reading through this today, understand the impact it had in the context in which it was written. 
okay? It turned worlds upside down. People were killed because of this, and uh, the gospel went into all the world as well. So my prayer today is as you read about the subject that you will go, yeah, I believe that because I'm sitting here believing that I'm in relationship with God. Um, My prayer for you is this, that you would read this with me, uh, looking for the stuff that jumps off the page for you. Because how many people know that one? Th- if you read one thing, someone will read something else. If you've ever sat down and read scripture with a spouse or something like that, and they're like, this really stands out for me. And the other person will go, well, this really stands out for me. So my prayer for you today is to just sit back and just go, there's the one thing for me. I'm going to write that down on my phone. I'm going to write that down on my study guide. Study guides. Study guides. People on the ends of the um, aisles, there should be a pile of study guides. Um, has people got them already? Just hand them down. Um, if you'd like a study guide, uh, hopefully you have a pen, or there's probably that person in your aisle, I'm going to be, hope you don't mind, it's probably a mum, she probably has a bag that's like the TARDIS, and in that bag is 11 pens, and probably a cheese grater, and everything else you would need. Ask that person if they have uh, a spare pen, and you can borrow that pen. And we're going to kick things off um, at the top, is that cool? The book of Acts, actors, uh, actors, Acts chapter 10 and 11. All right, verse 1. At Caesarea. Caesarea is a place uh, named after, does anyone want to have a guess? A Caesar, you got it. Uh, not the salad. Um, but this was after the family Augusta, and uh, this was named after Julius Caesar. It was a port, and still is a port, an ancient port, um, uh, obviously by the sea, Uh, And it was hugely important at the time, and it's hugely important in the New Testament as well. But at Caesarea, uh, chapter 10, verse 1, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. Um, You've got your study guide there. If you'd like to write stuff down, if you want to take a picture of it, because you haven't got a pen, and you can write on the image on your phone if you want to do that. Um, But a centurion, he leads... Does anyone know how many men one centurion leads? Wow, look at you guys. Yes, 100 men. So there were usually um, 60 centurions in a legion. Um, so 6,000 men roughly. And uh, each one of these guys would lead 100 people. Um, has anyone here led 100 staff in the past? Might be a couple of you. Okay, it's a, it's a big job. <laughs> uh, so these guys were really awesome at their job. They were well-respected people. You know, when I was reading this this week about the centurion, do you know I came up to I came to a conclusion. You read at, in the New Testament several times about centurions, not the same centurion, but this one's this guy's name is Cornelius. But has anyone ever noticed that in the New Testament, centurions are really looked at quite favorably, and that centurions often did really cool things in the New Testament. He came, one of them came to Jesus and said, "Hey." Um, I've got a sick servant. And he said, oh, I'll come to your house. He said, you don't even need to come to my house. You've got authority. You can just pray. Or there was um, the centurion with his daughter or the centurion that was um, at the cross. And he said, you know, surely this was the son of God. And then you've got the centurion here. I just think that's cool. Roman citizens, but the Bible really highlights them and says they're actually people that understand authority and come under authority, which I thought was cool. All right, moving on. Verse 2. He and his family were devout and God-fearing, and they gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctively, distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. That's my best angel voice. Sounds like the guy from Matrix. Anyway, moving on. Cornelius uh, stared at him in fear, and he said, what is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. I wrote a big question mark next to that because I was like, oh, I should explain what a memorial offering to God is in heaven. And then I went, I don't know. (laughs) And then I Googled it, and I was like, Google doesn't really know. So who knows, when we get to heaven, we may find when we've done good things, there's literally a memorial that stems up. Uh, I don't know, but that's quite cool. Anyway, the point is, is that uh, Cornelius and his family got the attention of God, and it's going to use him to do something awesome. What we know about Cornelius is he followed Yahweh, 
He followed God but didn't know Jesus yet. Maybe he'd heard of Jesus because there had been a couple of, um, there had been quite a wee bit of time at this stage and the rumors of Jesus and the miracles would have gone throughout the land. Uh, and the angel says to him, verse 5, Now send a man to Joppa to bring back, I think it's about 30 miles, bring back a, na- a, a man named Simon, who is called Peter. Simon being a reed. A reed is the, one of those things that can blow over. And then his name, Peter, means a rock, a solid rock and foundation. And Jesus said, I will build my church on you. And he sure does in this next coming chapter. He's, um, he's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When I read this, I thought, okay, why is this? They're basically, the angel has turned up to one guy and said, go send some people to this other guy. Go get him and those guys and walk the two or three days it's going to take to get to your place. He's got something to tell you about the gospel. And I go, couldn't the angel have done that? Couldn't, why couldn't the angel have just done that? Why, why did they need to get Peter involved? Um, but how many people know that sometimes God takes you the long way around? Has anyone ever done that? They've, they've realized they've gone the long way around. And here's the cool thing about the long way around. Sometimes God teaches us a thing or two on the journey. Has anyone ever been taught a thing or two on the journey? Anyone with kids? <laughs> so why in verse 5 was it done this way? If you want to write that down. Sometimes God takes us the long way to teach us a thing or two on the way. Don't ever despise the journey. I won't share it again, but I have a testimony of uh, being blinded and uh, was kind of hoping that God would come with a miracle and heal me, but that didn't happen like that. It took years and surgeries, and I learned a lot on that journey. And many many times I would say, God, why wouldn't you heal me? But now I look back and I go, I see the journey you took me on. Learning is a journey, it's not a destination. We learn as we grow. Okay. Verse 7. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called out two of his servants and a devout soldier. Two servants, one soldier, three people, uh, who was one of his attendants. And he told them uh, everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Right about that time, we have Peter, the disciple. And uh, God's about to turn his world upside down and the rest of the world. About noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Um, He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Verse 11. He saw heaven heaven opened and something like a large sheet began to be let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. A little bit of context here. Um, This was an earth-shattering thing. Jews uh, in Leviticus 11, I think, was it 7? One of the two, someone will know. Um, They were not allowed to eat things with four, what is it called? Yeah, I want to say four hooves, but you know what I mean. There was like pigs and other animals that they weren't allowed to eat. Reptiles they weren't allowed to eat. Because in the Levitical law, it was unclean. So this is very unusual for God to be going, because all the good Jewish people knew what was clean, what was unclean. So for him to say, Peter, get up and kill it and eat it, doesn't, didn't make sense. Has anyone ever been told something by God that didn't make sense? Yep, just me. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think all of us have been told something from God that didn't make sense, but that's, that's okay. Sometimes we don't know until we see it. Jesus went up to the roof and prayed, fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened up, kill and eat. Verse 14, surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Anyone here argued with God before? How'd that work out for you? I understand his hesitancy because to do what he's been asked, it's a metaphor, right? He's not literally got snakes and pigs and everything in a big sheet in front of him, but it's a metaphor. And for him, everything he knows, his whole world is shaped around rules. 
legislation and legalism, if you will. And God is turning it upside down. But here's the thing. Peter's already been on the, the journey of being turned upside down with the whole journey with Jesus for the last three years. But he does hesitate. And he says, surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I've never eaten anything impure and unclean. And then carrying on, uh, verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time. And he says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Whew, little rebuke. He tells him three times. This happened three times in verse 16. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. God is revealing something to Peter, which is going to take a couple of days for it to process. Here's something. If God gives you a word, if God gives you a revelation, unless he says otherwise, don't act immediately. Take some time to chew on it, to process it. Peter processed it for a couple of days and could see what it meant. Three times. It's interesting because right then when he has this amazing thing, he's been told three times. And as you know, when you read your Bible and the Bible repeats itself three times, he's trying to get something across to us. Three times. Right then. That worked really well. Sorry, Andrew. (laughs) Three times he knocked, and then right then, three men arrived. Remember the two servants and the one guard? Three times, three men, and then Cornelius the centurion and Peter were going to meet in three days. I don't know what that means, but there's threes going on there. Verse 17. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision... The men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, stopped at the gate, and I find any excuse to do that now. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. Here's the thing about hesitancy. Hesitancy when God speaks is understandable, but disobedience is not. Don't disobey God. It's okay to pause, ask God to reveal or to uh, redefine or to clarify something. But don't disobey what God has done. This is a pretty earth-shattering change of perspective. But he's taking some time to think about it. Don't disobey. Go and do what God has asked. While Peter was still thinking about this vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are at the door looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them. Uh, for I have sent them. Why is that important? Anyone know why Peter shouldn't go with them? They're Gentiles. He is not, as a good Jewish man, even allowed to spend time with Gentiles because they're gross. They're dirty. They're unclean. They are on the out. They're in that little fence in the back paddock. Obviously, that's not what I think. But there's some of the mindset. But the Holy Spirit says, no, no, go with those men. Do what they ask you to do. Contextually, that's pretty massive. Verse 21, Peter went down and said to them, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius, the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. So he's well known. A holy angel told him, to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear, that's a journey, uh, so he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Ooh, Uh uh-oh, naughty, naughty. He was breaking the rules. Then Peter, the next day, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa, so his friends who were Christians, Uh, They're not yet called Christians, but guess what? That term gets used for the first time in this chapter. It's coming up. Uh, The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him, fell on his feet in reverence to the man of God. Uh, But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. You know how I said that there's this really big idea? 
but my prayer would be that you'll grab a little thing. This is me grabbing a little thing from my own heart. It's just one line. Um, but I just really want to quickly say, and here's the, um, the, the, the funniness about what I'm about to say, is I want to talk about humility. And I want to talk about a humility that, say, myself and Pastor Lyndon um, have. But by me standing up here talking about how humble we are, is not overly humble. But it is a teaching point that I want to teach on. So please give me grace. We are just people. We are just men trying to say yes to God on a daily basis. Please do not hold us, please do not hold other people up to a point where you just feel like they are the bee's knees and they are the best Christians amongst us. Because you know what happens when you do that? When you build a church, when you build a faith around a personality, what happens when that personality falls? Your faith falls with it. We are not a personality-driven church. We are a purpose-driven church. Okay? So I just really felt in my heart to get up and be like, no, hey, you know, don't, don't hold us up as these amazing men of God. We want to be like Peter, be humble and just say, we're just here serving God. Because leadership is simply serving God. So I'm not trying to be up here and be like, look how humble I am. Oh my gosh, so humble. Everybody look. I realize that it's a little bit counterproductive, but I'm trying to illustrate a point. I've got um, a friend of mine who's in a church, and I'm not flinging mud, but they are told, you must call the pastor, Pastor Horatio, if his name's Horatio. Anytime you're referring to him, you call him Pastor Horatio. If you see him, it's Pastor Horatio. Even to a point where this person had Pastor Horatio in their house, and he said, hey, Horatio, do you want a burger? And he came over to him quietly and said, you must call me Pastor Horatio, even here. And I remember just thinking, that's a bit dumb. I'm sorry. Um, Don't hold people up so that they can just fall, okay? We're all just people. Is that all right? That's the thing that stood out for me. We're going to carry on now. You're like, well, he was really passionate about that. Okay, verse to help contextualize this big idea, we find in Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew. So uh, this is Paul speaking, and he makes it really clear This is some time after this is happening, but it gives us some good context and clarity. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female, for they're all just one under Christ Jesus. It is not taking away from the value of all of those people. It is simply saying that we are all together one people. Where there has been hierarchy, there is no longer. Where there has been levels of importance, levels of doing this and doing this and doing this to be with God, it's no longer. You all have the opportunity to connect with God. How cool is that? Because if you look at Leviticus, what you'd have to do to connect with God, who's happy they live in this now? Come on, guys. Amen. You know what I mean? (coughs) Circumcision. Okay. Well, it's all right if you're a baby, but if you come later, just saying, moving on. All right, that got weird. Okay. Uh, Ephesians 3, 6 says this, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. They even admit it's a mystery. Members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's us. That's cool. All right. He said, uh, as Peter entered, he said, get up, stand up. I'm only a man. Uh, Well, verse 27, while talking with them, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it's against the law for a Jew like me to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Verse 29. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. I may ask why you have sent me. Here's a question for you to think on for a moment. You ready? Is there a group? Is there a person, an individual in your life that you have just put in a fence? You've put them away in a cage and said that person is impure, unclean. And that God has no place for them. I have no place for them. The church has no place for them. Because I think when you read the scripture, it's pretty clear once repentance is there, 
that all, all of us can have a relationship with God. Am I right? But we don't have lepers in our society. We don't have uh, Samaritans or the Gentiles. But we have groups that we like to marginalize and say, you are not, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome with your issues, but not that person over here. I'm not pointing at anyone. I'm not pointing at you, Warren. It's all right. Do you know what I mean? Gosh, we've done that as Christians, haven't we? You're allowed, you're allowed, you're allowed with your sin, you're allowed with your issues. You're not, you're not, you're not. You know, there are some stuff that we go, that's okay. You know, like for example, I want to be straight up with you. If a murderer came to me, they'd done their time, been in prison and said, hey, man, when I was 17, I murdered someone. I met Jesus in prison and I've come out and, you know, X, Y, Z, I've been gone through the whole process. Man, that would be an awesome testimony. I would be so happy. I'd be so keen to connect with them. However, there are some that we wouldn't. Child molester. Nope. Get out. Because we carry our hurts. We project like I talked about last week. For me, you know, going through that stuff myself when I was a kid, I have very little time for it. I really struggle. So I'm the first one to put my hand up and say that is something that God has been talking to me about. Not that I know anyone that's like that, but God has been taking me through this journey to say, no, all are pure and clean through repentance in Christ. Woo! Chew on that one for a day. Um, I just like this quote. I was looking on a website. Just Peter receives a message through a vision. It's a message that will completely shake the Jewish, Jewish perception of Gentiles and their coming faith in Yahweh for a millennia to come. This is a message of inclusion. Um, hang on. Everyone look away, look back. Oh, there we go. Okay, no, that's fine. Oh, yes. Um, humility points to Jesus. Um, so back there where it was talking about him being humble, humility points to Jesus. If we start to say that we're important, more important than other people, we're pointing to the, ourselves. We're not pointing to Christ. Humility always points to Jesus. Let's be humble. Okay, where do we get to? Uh, three days ago, I was in my house praying. Have we, got, have we done that? Verse 30? Oh, yeah, okay. So Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, and at three in the afternoon, uh, suddenly a man in shining clothes came to me, and he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who's called Peter. This is a very clear direction. Who wants to hear God like this? Go to this house. Go to this person. He was called this. This is his IRD number, and go see him on Tuesday. That's what it seems like. Uh, send to Joppa for Simon, who's called Peter. He's a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner. I mean, he's even naming the person he lives at. It's awesome. Uh, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. It's like, surprise, sermon. I remember years ago, um, I think, Benjamin, you were with us. Uh, we were in Papua New Guinea, and we were at this big young adults event, and there were about 5,000 people there. And I went to Papua New Guinea knowing that God, you know, might ask me to do something here and there. And there's opening night. And I see some people talking. And Mike Robb, my father-in-law, he's here somewhere. I don't know where you are. There he is. He comes over to me and he goes, <clears throat> oh, um, Hey, Dre, uh, would you mind speaking at some point? And I was like, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What day? And he's like, um, like right now. I was like, you mean like right now? And then I realized everyone's looking at me virtually. He's like, yeah, right, right now. 5,000 people. Hi. <laughs> Through an interpreter, but we got there. Be ready. Anytime, any season. And Peter's like, okay, let's get this ball rolling. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Verse 17, he was unsure about it. In verse 34, he's sure about it. 
What's happened between verse 17 and verse 34? Um, all right, we'll do this. What we're seeing is an intersection. We're seeing Cornelius, a uh, Roman Gentile who likes or loves God, God Yahweh, doing his own thing. And then you've got Peter going in opposite direction that has been saved by Jesus. And they intersect in this moment of time. In this intersection, I like to call the intersection of grace, if you want to write that down. Man, who needs an intersection of grace in their life? I do, from time to time, especially when I'm following instructions on things. <laughs> all right. What is the main point here? There's salvation for all. There is two conversions happening here. Two. You go, no, no, Peter's already saved. What do you mean, Dre? Peter's already saved. Well, we've got Cornelius, and then we've got Peter. There's two conversions. The first one is for Cornelius who believes in Yeshua to recognition of Jesus. That's the first conversion, right? Because he's about to tell him, and we'll read it in a second, all about Jesus. Then the second conversion, and some of us need this sometimes, of legalism to grace. He had existed his whole life in legalism. It sounds like a bad word, but it was. It was the law. And he'd come to an intersection of grace. Okay, verse 34. Verse 35, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. This is a challenging revelation. Verse 36, you know the message that God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Christ Jesus. It sounds like they already had heard about Jesus, but he comes with authority to teach with authority. And something's about to happen to these Gentiles, which is not supposed to happen. Here we go. Who's Lord of all, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, the beginning in Galilee, and after the baptism that John preached. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And when he went around doing good and healing all under the power um, of the devil, and because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything. This is the gospel. If you've never heard the gospel, this is it. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, because he knows where this is going. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. This is Christ. Verse 40, but God raised him up from the dead and on the third day and caused him to be seen when he was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one who God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify. He's calling back the legal uh, Old Testament stuff. And he's saying, you know all the testaments, you know all the prophecies, Isaiah and all the rest that said about a Christ coming. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Woo! The gospel to this room full of Gentiles. What's not supposed to happen? They were told that when Jesus went up to heaven, he said, um, there's, there's another coming, the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is only for Jews, good Jewish people. Not the dirty Gentiles who have interbred and done this and done that and, and who are not of the family of God. Anyone ever seen God do something that you did not understand and you thought the rule was this and God has done that? You see that a lot around grace and forgiveness. So, verse 44, while Peter was all speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The Holy Spirit doesn't care about the rules and the systems we put in place. He cares about loving us. He cares about you having freedom and grace. Isn't that cool? Sorry, got excited. All right, bring it down. Verse 45, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter, the, the Christians, if you will, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Who wants to see the unloved, hit by the Holy Spirit, and speaking in tongues, and being, like, the hair on my arms is going up. 
if you don't put your hand up that wants to see the unloved, like, come on, let's all put our hand up. There's an action here. I want to see that. I want to see that in my own life. I want to see God do that. Okay, verse, uh, so uh, 46, um, speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely, surely no one can stand. Oh, he's in trouble. Um, he doesn't realize that people love laws and rules, don't they? I like being in, and I like you being out. So he's underestimated the power of rules here because he's going to get his hand slapped later on, but that's okay. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of being baptized with water. They've already received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days because they needed to unpack that, okay? That's the end of chapter 10. It's pretty cool. See, there's been a truth revealed to Cornelius and a truth revealed to Peter. What happened between verse 17-34? He listened. He had an open heart. And he changed. I would rather listen to God, be obedient to what God has asked me, than to be right in the eyes of man. Anyone ever done anything like a business decision or marriage or some sort of thing that you've done that you know God has told you to do, but on paper it just looks crazy? Yeah, welcome to pastoring. <laughs> Peter listened, he had an open heart, and he changed. Where else do we read something like this, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what it's right? We see this in Mark 12, which is love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love others as you would love yourself. Chapter 11. Um, what I'm going to do here, there's a lot of repeating and recapping in chapter 11. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the parts that aren't recapped, and I'm just going to just gently tie over those because 15 minutes ago we just read them all right so let's go verse 11 the apostles and the believers throughout judea heard that the gentiles also received the word of god so when peter went up to jerusalem the circumcised believers criticized him and said you went to the house of an uncircumcised man and ate with him here's the thing with the work of god often you're going to almost always come across a kickback Right When we are working through relationship, often religion will slap you in the face and say, No, I don't like it. Stop it. Push through. Verse 4, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. Look, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. So he's telling everyone in Jerusalem, this is what happened. This is why I made this decision. And I love that here they're angry at him, but something changes in their own hearts. These are his friends, his followers, his believers with him, right? We go further down. I saw something like a large sheep being let down. He's recapping what we heard before. Verse 9, the voice from heaven came a second time. He said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, he tells his friends. And then it was all pulled up and back into heaven again. Verse 11 Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house I was staying at. Further down in verse 16, this is stuff we've already gone over. So then I remembered what the Lord told me in verse 16. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And these guys were baptized by the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift that he gave us, who am I to believe? Sorry, what does he say? Um, that he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Is there, God, is there something that maybe we're standing in God's way for? Because we've always done what we've always done. <laughs> we will always do what we've always done. It's a question to ask. When they heard this, they, they had no further objections and praised God saying, So, Okay, so then even the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. What happened? <laughs> Just a few verses ago, you did this, you did that. And then they're like, okay, do you know what I think it is? When you journey with a group of people, 
when you build something that um, we like to call relational equity, truth comes with that. But here's the thing. Initially, they were focusing on the rules, not the miracles. We, we, let's, let's be led by what the Holy Spirit is doing. What can we learn from verse 18? So then even Gentiles, God granted repentance that leads to life. Um, I just think there's this little thing that I pulled away from that. Trust your friends who trust in Jesus. I know that if, um, I'm going to pick on Lyndon, for example. If Pastor Lyndon, call him Pastor Lyndon, after I just said I don't, you know. The reason I'm doing that is sometimes it's important for people who are not in the room to know that he's uh, an associate pastor. Okay, carrying on. Lyndon Sutherland, I trust if I'm away or something, and he comes to me and he said, hey, I made this decision. And if I ask him a couple of questions, I trust in him because I've done the walk with him. I know the fruit of his life. And if he said something like, hey, I made this call, it's a bit wacky, but this is what I felt like and these are the reasons why. Unless I felt the Holy Spirit to say otherwise, I'm going to go, cool, bro, let's do that. We're wearing pink t-shirts. I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, Build relational equity with your friends and trust your friends. That's what I took. All right, we're moving on. The church in Antioch, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke when Stephen, uh, Stephen, well, Stephen, Stephen was killed and uh, traveled uh, as far as Phoenicia, I think I've butchered that, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. But some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also. Uh, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 22, now, th- now news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. They sent to Barnabas in Antioch, and when they arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to God with all of their hearts. He was a good man. What makes a good man or a good woman? Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. It says, I love that, verse 24. Who wants to be a good man, good woman, full of the Holy Spirit and faith? And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Verse 25, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Saul, who's going to be named Paul. We're going to see a lot of him in the New Testament coming up. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians for the first time in Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down to Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine was coming and that it would spread all over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. Verse 29, the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. Um, this they did, sending their gift to their elders by Barnabas and Saul. Just a moment there. Something happened. Led by the Holy Spirit, the church was able to impact the world. They were able to ready people for a coming famine. I have a question for us. Do we hide from the world? Or are we called to guide the world? Often we go, oh, the world's, oh, I'm, gonna go, I'm just going to come to church and that's where I'm going to be a Christian. I believe that we are called through the Holy Spirit to lead, to be managers in our workplace, to be politicians. I don't think she's here today. Samantha, are you here today? Maybe you're watching online. Samantha Samuels, she's running for councillor for, was it the Melvin? Melvin District Ward? Because she's a Christian. And she just believes that she can bring change. What about our mayor and others? Right? We are called to impact the world. Yes, get them saved, but also bring goodness, righteousness, grace, mercy, love, healing. I just love that. It's one thing, but it spoke to my heart that as Christians, we are meant to impact our world. Who agrees? We are meant to impact. All right. As the worship team comes, if you've got a thought, something that stood out for you, take 60 seconds.
to write that down out of chapters 10 and 11. What was something that stood out for you? Information is great, but information isn't going to impact our world. Transformation is. Problem with the church is we have too much information, not enough transformation. So this is why I ask, what's one thing that you can see transformed in your own life? Not just information, just sit there, oh, that's great. Read about chapters 10 and 11. But rather, what are some truths in chapter 10 or 11 that I can walk out next week and see revealed in my life? Close your eyes, have a think. Write something down. main point for today is quite a simple one. From the scripture, I think it's important and it's obvious that we take away this truth. God's heart is for all. That annoying co-worker Horatio that always steals your salad, takes your cup, God loves them. That family member who spits hate about you. God loves them. The unloved, God loves them. God's love, grace, mercy is big enough for everybody. Can I get an amen? Second thing is, God wants us to go into all the world, into the Gentiles, into the places, into the marketplace. You are Christians, but I also want you to know that you are marketplace ministers wherever you go. Shining the light of God, improving wherever you go, dropping little droplets of goodness. Could you stand, please? Three questions for you today. you, who have we, who as a family, I don't know, who have we put out because they're unclean or impure, or perhaps they're just in the too hard basket? If you want to write that down, you can write it down, take a photo. Question number two, are you walking in obedience to see what God has asked you? no matter what. That was a big deal for Peter to do what he did. There's going to be more ramifications on Peter for what he did. Obedience and what God has asked us to do. And then the third question, is there an area of your life that you could actually guide others and not just hide from others? Just close our eyes for a moment. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for the truth of chapters 10 and 11. And I'm just reminded that God can turn the world upside down with one picture, one vision. And as I was worshiping this morning this is weird and I don't know exactly how it ties in but God knows so I'm going to be obedient I had several words for people and if you know me I'm a bit of a picture guy God seems to give me pictures but these are single one worded words that I want to speak over a couple of people and as worship happens I just really felt the sense uh, again, <laughs> nothing special about me or who I am. But if anyone felt like, you know what, I feel like God is going to help me answer some of those three questions or God is going to help me through this with a one word word from God, I'd love you to line up during worship and I just want to be obedient and see what God's got. 
nothing special about me, right? I'm just hopefully hearing from God. But simply one word. Go, take it to a friend, take it to God, and ask what that word is. But I, just before we do that, God already gave me a few, so I want to do that now. Is that okay? I felt like God gave you is one word planted Joanne released pray that you can work through one word and turn a world upside down. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you love us and you guide us in Jesus' name. Why don't we raise our voices in a moment? And I will attempt to be as obedient as possible and hopefully hear from God. But if you would like to, I would love to pray a single word over you. Nothing special, but my hope is that God will let you take that away for a couple of days and process that and then God will reveal it to you in more depth. Thank you, worship team.